0: Dazzling, my lord, it's in in the valley, and that's bright as the morning star. Babylon, it's in the valley, valley, and it's bright. Valley. In, the valley. In the valley. In the valley. You don't have to stay there.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries, preacher of the heart, Brother Marty Leeds. We do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, unless our internet takes a big old crap, which it did this morning, so I'm so terribly sorry. We had some issues with um, the air quality and we have a Wi-Fi connection, and so I'm pretty sure that's what happened. So unfortunately, we're going to have to pre-record this and can't do it live. So I, I really apologize to all the people that did show up this morning and and were there to watch it and then they didn't get a service. So um, it was kind of out of our hands. So I, I really apologize. So thank you for stopping back here and and taking a you know taking a gander and, and watching the service because we really appreciate it. Um, we can't do this without you guys. So uh, today we're going to talk about. I was supposed to do uh, Matthew chapter twelve. We're going to do that next week, but. Um, and that's going to be really good, but I was sort of inspired to do this today. I want to talk about reincarnation, the afterlife, and dealing with death, and I was inspired by, um, I'll talk about that in just a second, but part, in part of the last chapter of Matthew when, you know, we dealt with um, John and Elias and those two characters, and why are they the same person, and we'll cover all of that today. So, but first, we're going to do a prayer, and this is an Aztec Indian prayer, and it's a really good one. It's called Only for a Short While, and we're, we're really going to sort of deal with this today. So, Oh, only for so short a while you have loaned us to each other. Because we take form in your act of drawing us. And we take life in your painting us. And we breathe in your singing us. But only for so short a while have you loaned us to each other. Because even even a drawing cut in obsidian fades. And the green feathers, the crown feathers of the Quetzal bird lose their color. And even the sounds of the waterfall die out in the dry season. So we too, because only for a short while, have you loaned us to each other. Amen. I really like the native prayers. There's a lot of them that are really, really good. So, okay, as I said, we're going to do, this is episode 70 of the Sunday Service, Reincarnation, the Afterlife and Dealing with Death. Last Sunday, we just, we read from Matthew 11. And like I said, we talked about the fact that reincarnation is something that's absolutely, and we'll talk more about this today and give you a few more examples But, you know, when we talked about chapter 11, we looked at uh, John and Elias, and we we saw those two characters, and we're like, why is John Elias, and why is Elias John? This doesn't really make any sense. And we talked about the fact that, well, it does if you actually recognize that those are the same, that's the same soul in a different body, which is, which in other words, you can't You can't really make sense of that story unless you bring to bear reincarnation on it. Now, that's something that's sort of poo-pooed by most Christians, and we'll talk about that today. But I'm going to show a a few examples of how, once again, you really can't make sense of the stories of the Bible unless you bring in reincarnation to the story. And then next thing you know, it's just, okay, well, that makes sense. And we'll talk about that today. So last live stream, we talked about the fact that there was lots of religious systems that believe in reincarnation. I'm not going to read all these. You guys can read. But Buddhism, Jainism, Hinduism, um, you know, uh, Native American indigenous religions, the Cathars, Neopythagoreans, all that sort of stuff. So there's a whole long history of many, many religions believing that this was a fundamental part of the spiritual journey, the soul's journey here. And so really what we're going to do today is talk about... Um, death of the uh what what happens in the afterlife which none of us really even know but we'll we'll speculate on that that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about viewing the loss of a loved one from the gnostic perspective at least how we view it at this church and then also reincarnation so that's what we're going to talk about a lot of this is going to be excerpt excerpt excerpted (laughs) excerpted are going to be excerpts how about that i'm an author excerpts from uh, the book that I'm actually about to release hopefully next month I want to say Tenants of the Order and that's going to go over a bunch of the things that um, this church teaches and preaches and believes and things like that and so this is going to be excerpts from that chapter Um, and this was really inspired by David the Good now I don't know if you guys know David the Good but David the Good is I, I, I just love this guy I just think he's he's awesome he's a genuine in my opinion like renaissance man in this sort of sense He's hella funny, as you can see from that picture right there. Um, uh, he's just creative. He's a family man. I think he has like, I don't know, 10 kids or something like that. He's a, he's a, a spiritual man, a man of God. Um, his whole trajectory in, in life is helping other people. It's very philanthropic, charitable, that sort of stuff um he writes great books he's the the the, the uh, i've got i don't know maybe three four or five of his books or something like that they're all really great they're really um there's lots of knowledge in there he's just a great dude and so this was inspired by uh david the good DTJ, jay so um so i was watching david the good's channel and he had posted something on his community channel. and He was gone for like a week, and then he posted this, and everybody's like, hey, what's, you know, what's going on? And so this is what he posted, and this is what we're going to sort of leapfrog off today. Now, I, I will say this. I don't really think that David the Good would ever come to this channel. Most of the things he would probably want nothing to do with. He probably thinks 98% of what we're doing is Satanism or something. That's just what it is, and I've, I've come to deal with that in life, that I just know that I'm going to be... Throughout my entire, until I die, I will probably be always rejected by a lot of people that I actually respect because of the things we talk about here. And there's nothing I can do about that. It just is what it is. Um, I'm not backing down, as you guys know, because I'm kind of a, you know, I got that Irish sort of like bullheadedness thing. So, anyway, this is the community post from David the Good, and this is gonna launch us into this. So it says, um, update. I can. Share now what's happening. My dear younger sister and her husband lost their wonderful little girl, Julie, over the weekend. She was such a joy and only 21 months of age. We are all devastated and we're all pulling together as a family. Please pray for them. We love her so much and pray we will all meet again on the other side. She passed late in the night. And there wasn't any illness or shots or anything like that tied to it. She was just unexpectedly taken from us. And I don't know what the circumstances was. It does not matter for this live stream. Our families are very close. Good. Um, it's a total It's a total terrible shock, but we trust in the Lord's mercy. Christ have mercy on us. So we're really going to talk about this today. Um, and so this is... So we're gonna talk about what happens. Like when you know when something like so tragic like that happens, how do we make sense of it? How do we how do we look to God and be like, oh okay, well you're so loving and graceful and merciful, and then you just took our 21-month-year-old child. You know, that child didn't even get a life yet. What's going on with this? How do we make sense of this and how can we possibly look at that situation and then be like, God is so glorious and good? That's what we're gonna to try to tackle today, okay? Um, Reincarnation in the afterlife. I'm going to read a bunch today just because I want to be thorough and I want to read from excerpts from my book. So... The subject of reincarnation is one that is not well accepted by most fundamentalist church-going folk, as you guys know. The entire premise or discourse is often met with disdain, and the concept is roundly dismissed by nearly every Christian denomination that I can think of anyway, save for the Gnostic. As it is with so much of our Christian world today, and the world in general, much of how we interpret and understand the wisdom of Christ Due to the man-made doctrines and precepts that have been built around it, has been so utterly and completely watered down, inverted, and stripped of its mystical brilliance, that what now remains is but the crumbling and dry rot-ridden studs of Christianity's esoteric edifice. And that's what we're going to try to re-resurrect. That's what this church is all about—to help resurrect that esoteric edifice so we can actually understand the Bible. So we can actually understand what these stories mean. And we're going to tackle Paul and Saul today. We're going to tackle John and Elias and, and a few other things. So thus to find a subject like reincarnation being scoffed at and shunned in the supposed high intellectual circles of the priest classes is not surprising at all. Due to the fact that we look at Christianity in, the, 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 in this sense, the, the shambles that it's in. Uh, We we should, this should should be commonplace. Of course, we should expect them to be poo-pooing things like Kabbalah, poo-pooing things like numerology, poo-pooing things like reincarnation. That's to be expected, um, considering the dark age that we live in. And then we're going to cover that moving forward, too, about looking at our age and the darkness that we're in right now, not the band. As as is stated by the first law of thermodynamics, we're going to talk about reincarnation. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It can only be converted from one form to another. Now, whether we care about the first law of thermodynamics at all, we can look at it esoterically. So, esoterically speaking, we may state this proclamation in another way, and that's that the essence and energy of God cannot be destroyed and simply reforms and manifests from one form to another. There is no part of God that dies or is destroyed in, in this sense as the Almighty God transcends any states of duality, as construction or destruction, that sort of thing. So what we see as death is not really death, okay? We recognize that eternal spark of God that resides within us. That comes directly from this source, the eternal source, and thus does not die and is never destroyed, even at our death, when it leaves this earthly, fleshy vehicle, this vessel. The soul, after its transition from this body, is transferred into its next state, which can only be speculated upon. We, can, we have no idea. We have no idea what's going on on the other side. There's no way we may be able to verify or confirm that which happens in the metaphysical worlds, and so the best we are left with to describe such things are basically you know, poetic conceits and mystical metaphors. Okay. The idea of reincarnation makes logical sense from numerous different standpoints, but especially... From that of the standpoint of the soul's journey to assert as many do that the Christian worldview is essentially that and this is what you will get essentially in most modern churches and it's what I've heard growing up as well is essentially you get this one life you get one shot you, you better not screw it up otherwise you might burn for eternity. So to assert, as many do, that the Christian worldview is essentially that man is given this one body, this one life, and this one shot at seeking eternal life. And if he is to fail at this endeavor, he is to find himself at the mercy of beasts eternally or devils ravishing him from all, for all of time. And that, that worldview, in my perspective, is one of supreme idiocy and sounds like the demented and deranged delusions of an Ashkenazi science fiction writer than it does any sort of godly and merciful thing that was created by the divine it sounds demented and yet that is pretty much the i mean as far as i can tell correct me if i'm wrong the standard approach that most most christians have because they think that this actually is in their bible we'll talk about that how are we to possibly claim that god is infinitely merciful and and graceful and then yet accepts and accepts such a scenario it doesn't make any sense it's like you get this one shot in this one life and all these different circumstances and if you screw it up ah oh, that's it um, I, in fact Jennifer's mom who's not like a devout Christian or anything like that but she like shuddered when Jennifer even brought up reincarnation because it's like no 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 no. I've had Christians do the same thing almost get like not like violent but you know very very angry that the fact that you would dare bring some eastern thing or whatever it is into my pure Christian religion well the problem is is you, as we all know you guys have no idea what you're reading we know it now we know you don't understand your Bible. You don't have to play your stupid games anymore. You just need to come to this church, sit down in these digital pews, and shut up and learn. That's me getting a little feisty this morning. So how do how are we supposed to look at that idea, God punishing us for eternity, and be okay with it? This is a, a clip from Wrangler Star. I, I I um and he's gonna he's gonna talk about this for just a minute or two, and it's I I sent him a, a super chat and I was basically correcting him on the fact that this is what he was taught when he was in his, because Wrangler Star, I don't know if you guys know Wrangler Star, he's got maybe like 2.3 million subs on YouTube or whatever, but he he actually grew up in a very um, culty church, and he'll even say it, and then he broke away from that, and in that church, this is what they taught, and this is what he's going to say about this after I sent him a super chat, so let's watch this.
2: And Gnostic Academy 1111, interesting. He writes, thank you for your common sense. Cody, to add to your point, the Bible says eternal punishment is a place. It does not say any souls is eternally punished. A very important distinction. God is love. Yeah, that's a very, you know, we're on the same page here. I don't disagree with anything you said. As the good good book tells us of the man that tore down his barns and built more and died in his sleep. And when he woke up, God said, you fool. What have you done? Did you not know that the world, the life is more than houses and barns and wealth? Did you not know that, you did not know that this very evening your soul would be required of you? And you're not ready, you're not prepared. It's a ha- very sobering thought. Very sobering. I, I, I often think that those of us that make it into the kingdom when we're there, when we look back and we look at the knife's edge that we were on, the decisions that we made and how one decision could have made a difference of us being lost or saved. And the, with the a carelessness that we treated this, it's gonna, it's gonna make you shudder, make you shudder. But thank you for Gnostic Academy. Gnostic Academy, Gnostic is obviously a very smart man. Yeah, very good point. Yeah, God is love, and a God that would eternally punish people in eternal torment in the flames of hell. You, you go ahead and give me a sermon how that's a, how a loving God could do that for eternity. I, I would like to hear that. I would really like to hear that.
1: He makes the point beautifully. Tell me how a loving God set that whole scenario up. And yet that's what a lot of Christians believe. So, um, you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, uh, it doesn't say that that people are going to be punished eternally in the Bible. It doesn't say that. And yet, that's the sta- This is this is one of the things that shows that look, you guys have no idea what you're reading. And not only that, by reading and, int- and interpreting it the way that you're doing, you're actually instilling an unbelievable amount of fear and and you know all this sort of stuff. That's, that's you know, I, in my opinion, makes people just lose their minds. Eternal damnation is not for human souls. I actually had an argument, not an argument, but I basically had to kick somebody out of this church because they, they, were, they, were, they wanted to push this idea on me. I'm like, how in the world can you just rationally think that that's okay? It's not, because the Bible doesn't say that. Many Christians claim that the dream verses, um, basically in Revelation is what they're saying, teach eternal life and hell is for most people, but read carefully. Even the dream verses say that only fire burns forever and the eternal punishment is for hell. His demons and the, and people in a future age who, who choose to worship the beast, if you will. Um, even that's questionable, though. But it does say that the Satan and the the a false prophet are down there f- for eternity. It doesn't say that your soul is going to go there. And the, this is Revelation 20.10. This is the dream that they're talking about. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Lake of fire. Um, n- number one, lake of fire. That's a, you know, this is constellational. And we'll see that in just a second. Brimstone, that's... that's um Sulfur, that's an alchemical term, which means unless you do your study in uh, the, you know, astrology or cosmology and alchemy, this verse is not going to make any sense to you. Well, we know that that's the fact because no one makes sense of revelation at all. We will. Where the beast and the false prophet are and shall torment a day and, a day and night forever and ever. Okay, That's who's down there. What is all this? We've talked about this before. This is the southern celestial pole. On, in your in your <clears throat> celestial sphere. That's what it is. There's a lake of fire down there. We've talked about this before. I'm not going to go over that, but there's the symbols of fire. There's the symbols of water down there. There's actually a river that goes right into that whole area. There's the false prophet down there. What's the false prophet? It's the false cross. It's, the, it's literally that's in that ship right there. We'll go over all of that, detail it when we do Revelation because it, it needs to be done. So they're basically saying that this place exists because you only have one chance, right? So if that's the case, if, if, if according to this, and according to this thought, right, that it's like, oh, yeah, let's get this one life, what are we to make of the, how, how is God equitable here, if that's the case? What are we to make of the soul of the baby aborted uh, in the womb before even having the chance at life? What are we to make of the man born into slavery and bondage, never having getting the chance to read scripture, hear the words of Christ, or even come to know the glories available to that of the free man? What about the soul born with a great cognitive illness that prevents him or her from even having complex thoughts? We may provide countless examples here of just why the notion of God giving us one singular life in the flesh is ridiculous, in which to complete the great work is completely counterintuitive to one's basic reasoning. But... Um, and uh, that's, that's enough there. So if God is just fair and merciful, then we must assume that if man's soul is to be given a fair shot at eternal life, then the groundwork that each soul must work from must be equitable and fair. That seems pretty reasonable. So you get one life, this person is mentally challenged and born into poverty or whatever, and doesn't even, can't even read the Bible itself, let alone, you know, interpret it or anything like that. And this person is on par with somebody who's, you know, who was born into wealth and can read and went to high? What? What? If God is just and fair and merciful, then we must assume that if man's soul is to be given a fair shot at eternal life, then the groundwork that each soul must work from must be equitable and fair. One soul is born into bondage, another into riches, and another only alive for a mere year on this earthly plane before befalling to some tragic accident, as we saw, you know, with this David the, David the Good's um, niece there, or whatever. Um, then how are we supposed to accept that God has been fair giving souls those widely varying circumstances? That, that girl that died at 21 months of age, she's never going to have a family or fall in love or learn to play the piano or, you know, travel to Europe with her friends. She's never going to, you know, get drunk and, you know, whatever, build a business, whatever it is, whatever it is, all of that's gone. God took it from her. How is that fair? If this is indeed the case, then God could never be construed to be equitable and fair. And one could easily make the argument that God is indeed malicious and cruel. Well, good thing that's not what's going on. The answer to this conundrum is in reincarnation. Each soul throughout the course of many successive lifetimes is given the very situation and life it needs, according to the works of its previous lives, in order to finally learn the lesson it need, lessons it needs to learn and seek the repentance that it did not seek in its former time here on earth. According to the general doctrine of reincarnation, it is claimed that every life lived is a successive step in the development of the soul, and the soul is continually reconstituted in the biological kingdom until salvation is finally achieved. That's what we teach. That's what I believe. That's what I. That's what I see going on here. This is what makes God equitable and fair. This is this girl. This is not her only life. God didn't just give you this little gift of a beautiful child and then take it away from you and that was the only shot that she got and then you and your family just have to live with pain the rest of your life because that's I mean to lose a child is one it's got to be one of the hardest most difficult things in the world. And if you can still believe in God after that and understand that God is graceful and merciful and things like that, you're going to be doing pretty well. Well, guess what? Reincarnation says that she's going to be back or maybe she's going to get rushed up to heaven. We have no idea. But reincarnation says that her soul's journey was not done. <sighs> Where am I? When we leave this earth, we will all have to stand before God Almighty. And the you know, and this is this is there's no getting around it. Okay? and in my opinion what happens when you you know this is basically the the story that you hear cross culturally about essentially this notion that it's like hey man you don't just get to come down here do whatever the hell you want without any you know consequences for your actions and then just get whisked up to heaven because you you said oh i i was baptized under christ or i i'm reborn or whatever the hell you think no when you cross the gates of death it, once again this is we can only speculate but what happens is this life review and that's a consistent theme and what happens is this is my perspective how how i psychologically understand this and helps me live the life that i live man relives his life after who after we go through this life 70 years 72 years 85 years whatever it is and you cross the gates of death what's going to happen is that god's going to be like hey look at look, you know in, in this sense man is going to relive his life and get to see all the positive he has done as well as the negative and he's going to and this is the this is how i see it completely without any bias, no excuses. You don't get to be like, oh, well, I screwed that person over, but that person was being a dick. And no, no, God's just gonna show you the fact that you were being a dick. You can't make any excuses. You have to own up to it. And if you didn't own up to it here, then he's gonna show it to you there. So in my perspective, what happens when we cross the gates of death? understanding this helps in, in in my perspective helps us live a better life okay because that not not out of fear like oh my god god's good god's watching and therefore i gotta know i gotta do the best thing it's yeah there's there's that too it's like all seeing i've God, god is watching and knowing everything you do that sort of stuff but not out of fear but because because god actually wants you to progress on your journey and that is a hero's journey and when you don't then you're you're not being the hero you're being the slacker. You're being the degenerate. You're being the, you know, you're being the lost little sheep. And God's like, God, you know, he's not trying to punish you. He's like, no, get back on that course. So after you cross the gates of death, what you see all this. We get to see the pain that we have caused as well as the beauty we have created. We will see as well the outcomes from all of our actions. And my opinion is what will happen is that we'll see it from the the shoes of, the, of other people. Meaning if you caused a bunch of pain to people, you're going to feel that. You're going to see it. You're going to see exactly what you did. And if you made a bunch of people, you know, joyous and, you know, loving, you were loving and joyous and righteous down here and all that sort of stuff, you're going to see that too. Okay. Basically what the religious principle, what religions are doing, this is what a, this is what religion really is. It's a preparation. Like it basically religions are there to tell you that life is a preparation for death that your entire life is to prepare you to get onto that other side. Plato allegedly said this. The whole uh, the whole life of the philosopher is a preparation for death. Epicurus said death therefore the most awful of evils is nothing to us. Seeing that when we are death is not come and when death is come we are not. So um like is is nothing to us because when he says this it's like death uh ah, the most awful of all evils supposed evils right? It's nothing to us. Why? Well, just as we started this live stream. For God, there really is no death. There might be an experience of death here. Well, that's where you experience it. But there, God doesn't make things, and something, and then just let it go, go. That's it. That's it. So... Reincarnation allows for a common-sense understanding of phenomenon such as Savant Syndrome. So when we, when we talk about reincarnation just making sense from a logical standpoint, from an equitable and fair standpoint, from the view of God, it's like, oh, no, that's not your only life. Oh, that ba- that baby that was aborted in the womb, that's not the only life. Oh, the child that died at 21 months, that's not the only life. Oh, the, the person that died at 21 years and didn't get the chance to go to college or whatever it is, that's not their only life. Reincarnation allows for a common-sense understanding of phenomenon such as the savant syndrome, where child prodigies are born with savant-like, savant-level abilities in such things as being fluent in languages they have never spoken or having abilities to play musical instruments that have only been attained by masters. I remember Jennifer said when we first met, um, I was I was sleeping and I was talking in my sleep. And she, and she wanted to record it. She didn't record it. But she said, it sounded like I was speaking extremely fluent Latin. That's what she said. No. I don't know Latin. I, don't know. I have no idea. I've never learned Latin in my life or anything like that. So, you know, was I actually speaking? I don't know. But maybe a past life, maybe I was very scholarly in Latin or something like that. And now that's still leftover residue, if you will. When you see somebody that, a child prodigy that has like savant like abilities, right? Like, check this kid out, right? And no, this is, then this is real. This is, people said that this is fake. No, this kid is, his name is Sung Sung. And there's, there's other kids that are, look, stop I'm gonna stop talking here but watch he's like four this kid that playing right there as a musician right now so there's other kids that do there's other there's other examples of this right so if you you know of of, you know kids that are just like unbelievable like the child prodigy savants the 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 touch that he has is not the touch of a four-year-old when you play a music instrument anybody that plays a music instrument knows that the, the 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 way a music instrument sounds good is your feel is your touch it's your it's there, there's so much that goes into it and it's not just mechanics right so how in this how in the world did a child who's four or five years old or whatever have that ability to play with such intensity and emotion and and the just the touch that he's doing right and not only that the the techniques of the of piano we would assume that he probably played piano in a in a former life i mean especially at the end when he does the whole like this thing that's a professional that's not something that a kid just picks up and does now once again that's just one example of many but reincarnation makes sense of that it's like well no in his former life this is his next life in his former life what he probably played a wicked piano, and he's going to do it in this life, too. He's, he's recalling things that had happened in a former life, okay? Um, I'm going to go back here. Uh, reincarnation lends credibility to the notion that these skills were learned in a former life and have been recalled in another. Reincarnation makes sense of the numerous scientific studies that have been done on young children who have made remarkable memory recalls of alleged former lives, detailing places, situations, names, and having an uncanny ability to recollect certain information that could have only have been known by a particular person though and there's a lot of studies on this where it's like children remember specific things it's like how would you possibly know that now you can't scientifically verify any of these things because then you you know that's that's an impossible that's an impossible thing to do but at the same time it's like well how do you answer for that what what what's the explanation for that modern science as far as i know doesn't give any except possibly reincarnation Though these studies are scientifically unprovable, are not, and are not being ins- asserted here as some sort of proof of reincarnation. It's interesting nonetheless. Um, and then reincarnation has been, you know, given the explanation for such things as birthmarks and déjà vu and even instincts and things like that. So that's that. You know, that's a road that you. Once again, a lot of this stuff because you're dealing with the metaphysicality of the spirit. There is no, there is no direct science, provable science that we can do here. So it may be said that reincarnation also solves the issue. Of the fairness of life and death, we all deem it a tragedy when a mother uh, unexpectedly loses her child. Just like you know, just like we saw um, David the Good Sister there, uh, unexpectedly loses a child in a tragic accident before she gets to raise him and see him off into manhood. Such a heart-wrenching event, like the one you know that's happening to DTG there and his family. Um, it immediately, for a lot of people, it will immediately draw questions about the cruelty of God. And his supposed master plan now for david the goods family it didn't you know they're they're um, they have a lot of faith um and good for them cries of why god why are to be found are found to be easily sympathized in these situations like yeah god what what the hell man you know um but from the perspective of this this is why it's in in this sense it's really important to be a gnostic because or have this perspective because when you embody this in your life and you recognize it, it allows things like this to be easier because, you know, situations like this, deaths, tragedies, things like that in life, it'll, it allows it to um, it, uh, make it easier on you to accept these things or not, you know, we don't want to accept, we have to accept them, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, a lot of these things are extremely difficult. That family is going to be tore up for years years, right? If they didn't have a religious and a spiritual backing to say, hey, there's an answer for this. God does have a master plan. Then what are they left with? Just pain and suffering the rest of their life. They got nothing, okay? Um, but from from the perspective of the soul's reincarnation, the child's death simply means that that soul is onto the next stage of its transition. And he is simply, he or she is simply drawing near to the divine source of all things in the next life they're on another stage. This really, in one sense, though, it's hard to understand it at the time because we, we love. And, you know, when you get a gift of God, like a child or something like that, you love the child and, you you know, and then it takes, you know, there's a hole in your heart, that sort of thing. Anytime a loved one leaves, right? But at the same time, if we step back and recognize and actually understand God's plan, God's master plan, we're like, well. Oh no, that's okay. I mean, yes, it's awful, it's terrible, and it rips a hole in all of our hearts, and we're bawling out and it's tearing, you know, that sort of thing. But what what about her? What about her? She could be on to the next life. Getting that much closer to what? Glory. Paradise. That's a reason to celebrate. That's a reason to celebrate. Now, of course, once again, you know, it's it's not saying you don't have to deal with the pain. There's lots of pain there, but you know, when you when you look past and realize, oh, geez, that soul is on a journey. We we got the God gave us as a gift. God gave that child as a gift to us. And of course, the, he was gonna you know he's gonna take it all away. Everybody, nobody stays here, you know. But we can celebrate. Because we're like, oh, she's not done. She's just one step closer to God. Though we may be saddened at the loss of such a young life, we should also rejoice. For her death represents yet another step in her soul's journey towards God. And spiritually, we can view this as nothing but glorious and beautiful. Especially knowing that there's an end goal to all of this especially knowing that there is a in this sense as we can prove with metaphysics as we do on this channel that there is eternal ideas so therefore there is each in an eternal place right a paradise heaven um sorry um as an example let me give you an example a 12 year old child that dies in a motorbike accident devastating and crushing the hearts of his family and friends especially the mother and father can you imagine it that's that, 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 that soul is not lost and gone forever, nor is that soul necessarily up in heaven immortally. nor is he is that soul cast down into hell for eternity. But more than likely, <sighs> that soul is getting prepared to enter into a next body in the next life making his way one step closer to God Almighty. It allows us when we step back and recognize and actually understand that, oh God, uh, well, yeah. uh, that God has uh, made this place. There's a purpose for it. That purpose is the training ground for souls. This is the place where you come to do your work. to You your learn. This is your classroom. And that God has has a master plan of bringing those souls down here. And it's like, oh, you get one shot. I'll give another shot. And you keep doing that until what? You get to the glory. When you finally get to that glory, how glorious is it going to be? God, I went through... 5,040 lives to get here? My Lord, by the time you get to that summit, you're going to be like, yes. Okay, this allows us to understand God's plan. God has a purpose. Earth has a purpose. There's teleology here. There's absolutely a purpose. It's where souls come. It's where souls leave. Seeing the bigger picture of our soul's journey or understanding God's plan makes, makes it easier to alchemize the pain of our loss into the joy for the next stage of their journey to God. A child that's lost is painful. There's no getting around that. It's gonna rip a hole in your heart. But you didn't even know that hole existed until that child got here, did you? Which was what a gift from God. One of the things it does is it uh, it it you know it's like to you know it's like you don't know what you got until you gone, you until it's gone. You know what I'm saying? It makes you appreciate the things that you have while they're here. And every cliche thing, I'll wait till Cinderella's over here. I mean, come on. Have you ever seen that video? It's so fantastic. Michael Shermick and his freaking, you know, he's playing that freaking Les Paul on the beach and the lead singer's playing the piano and great song. Cinderella, first record, great record. Anyway, every cliche thing that you ever heard about appreciating what you have and being grateful for the gifts you have been given, especially those of your loved ones, because they're all gifts. It's 100% true. Every cliche thing you heard about, well, you know, uh, you know, love what you have, be grateful for the things you have, feel blessed because they're all gifts. Eventually, they'll all be taken away, but that's not to take it away because they just God wants to fill you full of pain and suffering and things like that. Is because there's a glory at the end of this thing, at the end of this journey, and you're on that journey. So be grateful for the things that you have. And know that every this is all eternal. That's an eternal spark within you. It might be gone right now, and your the physical being is gone right now. But that doesn't mean that he or she is gone. Not at all. Knowing this, understanding this, okay, that that eternal spark is gone is not gone. You know, maybe it's maybe it's in the ether metaphysical realms for three days, and then it comes back down to earth, okay. Knowing that, understanding that idea gives much credibility to the commandments given by Jesus um, to love thy enemies and love thy neighbors. Understanding reincarnation appropriately, think about this. This would mean that the soul of a deceased family member, did you lose a child? Did you lose a grandma? Did you lose a grandpa? Did you lose your mom and dad? Did you lose your brother? Did you lose some friends? Did, did, did a bunch of them get the gibbities, and next thing you know they're gone? understanding reincarnation appropriately this would mean that the soul of that deceased person, friend or family member could be here in the now in the name and body of someone else maybe even someone we have met or a child that has been recently born. And then Jesus says, why do you why do you have to love your neighbors and love your even love your enemy? because guess what? Maybe that neighbor maybe that person maybe that whatever is actually the reincarnated soul of someone you knew. or you? We may even come to find that the soul of a loved one that has passed could very well be in the body of our enemy. And hence we are commanded by Christ that we must love even those sinners who we are obligated to rebuke and upbraid. We must call out evil with love and compassion because we never know just what soul is existing beneath that human exterior of our foe. Knowing that each and every single divine, eternal divine spark within man is a piece of the great creator and belongs to him and ultimately will return to him, then we know with even greater clarity just how we are to act towards our fellow man. So, you know, I, I think about this like, you know, this was a, uh, um, my ex, her, her grandmother, uh, Candy Lawrence, loved her very much she was basically like a grandmother figure and she died in 2013 there and she's just a lovely person you know she's still when she left she's still um, um, I don't know it, it, I, I, you can't say it because it's it's completely between her and God you know I, I can't say anything about it but I, I don't I don't know if her her work was done let's just say that okay she she was she died in 2013 right so there's like so there could be a 10 year old girl running around With Candy Catherine Lawrence's soul in her. I may even have met her. Maybe just randomly walking down a street or something like that and some 10-year-old girl, you know, runs up and makes some joke, Whatever it is, you know. You have no idea. Now, do you think that God could be that magical? I, I think he is. Um... When I was in high school, uh, one of my friends, Jessica Elmer, she um, died in a car accident in 1995. So this was like, what, 28 years ago or whatever it is now? So, you know, this is a high school friend. She used to come over to our house and we used to hang out. And, you know, I had a crush on her at once and all this other stuff, right? You know, so she died and it was tragic for all of us. I mean, I remember I wrote my first song called Individual. The first song I ever wrote was dedicated to her. Um... Terrible song. Sorry, Jessica. Um, but think about this. 28 years old. There could be a 28-year-old girl, woman, uh, running around right now with the soul of Jessica Elmer. Did you lose a family? How how long how long ago did your, your grandmother die? Is she maybe she's up in heaven, and so then you're just gonna go up there and then she's gonna be there. It's like grandma, nice. But maybe she's back down here. Did she die 15 years ago? Maybe there's a maybe there's a, a, a maybe there's a kid on your little league team that you're coaching. That 15-year-old kid, and guess what that kid is? This is? The soul of your grandma. Do you think or whatever it is? Do you think that God is that, you know, uh magical in this sort of sense, right? I think so. And this is why you say be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a harder battle. <laughs> I like that quote. Anyway, um, this is why our order follows the credo of make beautiful this world for seven generations. So you probably have heard me say this before. That it's something I learned was like Boy Scouts or some shit. I want to say, but it was like an old like Native trope that they basically say like Hey, everything you do, you make better for seven generations. Why? For as we know, if the Lord does not permit us to enter into paradise and receive eternal life after our sojourn sojourn to earth in this life, then we shall expect to be back here to finish our journeys in another. That's just how it works, according to reincarnation, that sort of thing. Accordingly, we must always treat this place as sacred and seek to secure heaven on earth as much as humanly possible in this existence. This gives us our goal here, is that we need to beautify this place, make this place amazing. Why? Because we might be back down here. Or if you don't get back, if you don't come back down here, your loved ones might come back down here. You love them, right? This is why I get so upset about people that talk about. You know, it's all about it's in very, very self-centered in one sense. Very self-centered. I want to escape. I want to get out of here. It's it's all about you know getting onto the next you know getting into heaven and my soul and stuff like that. Okay, but that's fine. That's that is all of our goals. Duh, right? Like no one wants to stay down here and have to come back down here for how many lives, right? We want to we want to go home in this sense. But if that's all you're concerned about and you're not concerned about with what's going on right here and in, in the now in your life and making this place better then what you're, you're just like, oh, I I don't really care about this. I, I got to ascend, that sort of thing. And so it's like, no, 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 no. God wants you to be here in the now, in the life that you're living, to do the work that you're supposed to do, which is what? To beautify this place, to make this place better, to, to make this place somewhere where God would be like, oh, yes, this is fit for your grace and, ble- you know, my grace and blessings. Um, We must always accordingly... We must always treat this place as sacred and to secure heaven on earth as much as humanly possible in this existence. If we wish to be careless to our mother earth, and yes, there's nothing wrong with calling mother earth, mother earth. Mater means mother, material world. If we wish to be careless to our mother earth and be reckless stewards of our home, trashing it and abusing it while we're here and the ignorance of thinking that we will never be back to see it nor have to deal with the consequences of our actions, we may find ourselves sorely mistaken when we are returned here with our souls entered into a new body to clean up the mess that we created and then we left so the notion of reincarnation also is what what comes with that notion take care of your take care of this place take care of your home while you're here so not only does reincarnation solve the problem of the soul's journey it solves it solves the the notion of the equitable equitability and fairness of god the fairness of god let's just talk about that okay it solves the, I, the the notion of child prodigies and savants and things like that but then also it solves the issue of like why you know if it's all if if i'm just leaving to go into earth or going to heaven doesn't matter what i have to do here no it absolutely matters because if you don't you're going to come back down here and if not guess what there's other souls that you care about that are gonna be right. So even if this is my last incarnation in a physical body, what is my goal here? Am I just gonna be like, well, I'm out of here, guys? See you later. No, what do we do? What do we do with this church? We try to make all this stuff better. We 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 do everything in our power to help empower people, educate people, and um, you know, and, and and come to know God, you know. Um now let's talk about the Bible. There and we've talked about this before, I just want to revisit it again because last chapter we just did the John and Elias thing, okay? So we're going to revisit that again and then we'll get into Saul and Paul. There are several biblical stories that allude to the notion of reincarnation. Now there's nothing in the Bible, this is the whole point of the the Bible is that it's a cryptic document. It's a it's a it's a you know, it's a it's a layered text. It's esoteric and mystical. There you nothing is in this sense it's there, I'm gonna say nothing because there's a surface level, you know, story to it. But there's nothing that comes out as like somebody just asked me. In fact, gardener just Christopher Gardner, just asked me about it. It like, hey man, what verses are you gonna to go to in the Bible and point out what you know the zodiac and stuff I'm like that? You know, I'm like, well, that's not you know, th- it's, you, there's nothing in the Bible that's gonna be like these characters of the twelve disciples are related to the zodiac. There's nothing like that because it's it's you know it's an encrypted document. It's not supposed to do that. So. There's nothing in the Bible that jumps out and says, like, reincarnation, okay? But there's a bunch of stories that allude to it. Some of the key stories that you can't, once again, you can't even make sense of unless you, you know, bring reincarnation into it. With one, uh, there are several... Let me start over. There are several biblical stories that allude to the notion of reincarnation, and the one we wish to examine briefly here is that of St. John the Baptist. As is mentioned several times throughout the gospel, the character of Elias or Elijah is definitely related to St. John, as we read in Luke 1.17. We just covered this um, in Matthew 11. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a prophet prepared for the Lord. He's talking about John. John is going to go in the power and in the spirit of Elias. Elias or Elijah is the prophet that was expected to come and announce the Savior for the Jews in the Old Testament, with contemporary followers of Judaism to this day keeping a seated cedar or the Passover meal in withering anticipation for the arrival of their Messiah. The prophets of the Old Testament foretell of a forerunner and a messiah in Isaiah 4 3, or 43, excuse me. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So, Elijah, Elijah, Elias is going to come. Be like, hey, Jesus is coming. And in uh, Malachi 4 5, it states that, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So, Elijah is the one that's supposed to show up. Who shows up? St. Johnny boy. So, how does reincarnation play into this story? In Matthew chapter 11, which we just read, for all the prophets and the law prophesies until John, and if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. Okay. Why is Elias John? This is the Jewish Messiah saying plainly that Saint John is Elias and that they are one in the same spirit. How are we supposed to remedy this discrepancy? Why is Elias John? If Elias was prophesied to come, why did John show up? This is the key of the New Testament and I've never heard anybody save for a few esotericists talk about this. This paradox of John and Elias may be easily solved, no problema whatsoever, if we simply insert the concept of reincarnation into the story. John and Elias are the same soul in a different body. The soul of Elias reincarnated into John and did so to announce the light of the world, Lord Jesus Christ. In Jewish tradition, Elijah is the one who will announce the coming of the Messiah, as we just said. A fact celebrated in the song traditionally sung during the Havdalah service at the close of Shabbat, which prays for uh, Elijah's return speedily in our time. Okay, so basically, once again, You know, it's like, hey, Elijah's Elijah's going to come and announce the Lord. And then, okay. The rabbis of the Talmud, ooh, what a good book, huh? The rabbis of the Talmud imagined Elijah sitting intimately with God in the heavenly court and traveling back and forth between the divine and human realms. These stories and those that followed depict an Elijah who continues to take interest in the world he left behind Offering assistance to those in need and seeking out the one who will usher in a messianic era. So once again, so Elijah is this person that's supposed to be coming and announcing Christ. John shows up, and then they even say it's in the spirit of Elijah. Okay, so who's in who's in the body of John? Elijah. Okay, well, who's he? I am. It's the it's the it's the soul. Once again, that is the connection between Jesus being, you have to think about this, because the next one is super important too. This is the connection between Jesus representing the Messiah, being the Messiah of the Old Testament. And the only way that that happens is with the prophet coming and being like, he's here. And all of that happens, and it's John and Elias. Now, let's talk about Saul, a tale of two Saul's. There's a Saul in the Old Testament, so now Paul, Saul becomes Paul, we'll get into that in the New Testament, Paul is considered what the, like the great prophet of Christianity, right? I mean, wrote all those books, the Ephesians and Colossians, all that shit, right? So he is one of the premier figures of Christianity. Elijah, who we just talked about, is one of the premier figures in the Old Testament getting into the New Testament. And as we're going to see, both of them represent what? A reincarnated soul. So there's a tale of two Saul's. There's a Saul in the Old Testament and there's a Saul in the New Testament. Now, there's similarities between these guys. Neither one was born into his eventual role. King Saul was not born a king and Saul of Tarsus, that's the one in the uh, New Testament. There's two, two very prominent Saul's in the Old Testament and New Uh, He wasn't born an apostle. He became an apostle. Both were Jews. Uh, Both came from the tribe of Benjamin, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Both were called by God to become something special. One became the first king of Israel, and the other became one of Jesus' apostles. Both died fighting, one for his earthly kingdom and one for God's kingdom. So there's a lot of similarities just, you know, in, in the Bible between these two. And the reason that they're there is because they want you to make this connection. So, the tale of two Sauls. So, the Old Testament Saul, Jewish king chosen by God and given the opportunity to be Israel's first king. Saul's own insistent disobedience against the Lord, however, dashed any opportunity for an enduring dynasty. New Testament Saul became a murderer, just like his namesake, until his Damascus Road conversion and subsequent name change to Paul, the apostle. So how do we make sense of this? Okay. Well, Saul is in the Old Test. There's two prominent Sauls. Saul in the Old Testament. He's what? Well, didn't you know? In this sense, didn't finish the work. <laughs> um, you know, we could say, oh, well, he went up. He went up to heaven. Okay, and but in the story, he doesn't die. By the way, uh, the 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 uh, the first. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. That's that's Elijah. I'm getting these screwed up. I'm sorry. Saul, in, Saul. Sorry. So Saul in the Old Testament. Basically, um, you know, uh, you, you, this sort of thing um, dashed his opportunity for an enduring dynasty. So Saul didn't finish his work. So, and he ended up being, you know, in this sense, old, the Old Testament Saul would have totally been Antichrist. He wouldn't have accepted Christ. None of them did, by the way, or most of them didn't, right? So the, he would have never accepted Christ. So then what happened? So Saul died, and Saul's soul came into another body. And who was that? Saul. And what did Saul do? What do we hear about the story of Saul who became Paul? Well, he was a murderer. He was persecuting Christians. So in other words, Saul from the old from the Old Testament, he when he came into the new body in the New Testament, ah, he just, you know, he just kept up the family work. You know what I mean? He just kept up I was like, "Oh, we we, we persecute and prosecute Christians and we're going after them and possibly murder them and stuff like that." And that's what Saul ended up doing. He got back into this new body. He's like, well, I've just, you know, <laughs> it's like old habits die hard, I guess. Then what happens? Then he's converted. He does a 180. That's what, that's Paul Saul became Paul and did 180, did he not? Okay, let to make sure. So then, so now we have Paul being what? One of the greatest prophets, of, you know, apostles of uh, Christianity. What is that? It's reincarnation. Saul, Saul—they're the same people. This is the same soul. Saul was continuing his work in the from the Old Testament to the New until what Christ came into his life, and he's like, ah, you might want to rethink this. You guys know Ovid's Metamorphosis. You guys know this book. If you don't have Ovid's Metamorphosis, if like you're into, um, you know, like Greek and you know the Greco-Roman stories and. The constellations and how they're you know all that's just that i mean this is a necessary book to have ovid's metamorphosis if you don't have it um some of it's actually a pretty good read too but so this actually comes from metamorphosis um in his magnum opus metamorphosis the famous greek poet ovid includes a description of a symbolic place in the afterlife deemed the Lethe or the river of forgetting it was here in the afterlife where souls would have their memories wiped clean, most assuredly preparing them for another life in the material form. Why would you? Why, why would you take a soul and then oh, all the memories that you had in the life are going to wash them clean and then what? That's it. It is stated in Wikipedia that the Lethe, Lethe uh, flowed through the underworld, by the way, which is exactly the River Jordan, which is a part, of, which is part of the story of Elijah. That's too much to go into right now. The Lethe flowed through the underworld where all of those. I'm sorry. Did I say Jordan? Eradnus um, Ar- is the river. The, con- the constellation Eradnus is the river that flows all the way south. That is related to Jordan because Jordan literally means to flow south or to go down. And, uh, and that river is a huge part, obviously, of many parts of the Bible, but in the story of Elijah. So there's that. The Lathy flowed through the underworld where uh, all those who drank from it experienced complete forgetfulness. Lethi was also the name of the Greek spirit of forgetfulness and oblivion with whom the river was often identified. We also uncover this river within Dante Algeri's um, divine comedy. The Lethe disc- d- uh, discussed in the second cantica is located in the earthly paradise atop the mountain of purgatory. An immersion in the Lethi is said to wipe the memories clean of sin. So what happens? The soul, if it doesn't get into heaven, what happens? Well... There's a, some sort of memory wipe sort of thing that you forget about a lot of the things that happened in the former life. You still have the residue of all this, you know, that of the things you need to take care of. You're put into another body. Now you're put into the right situation where you have to take care of that. The Lethe is also mentioned in, in, in the Inferno. The first part of the comedy is flowing down to hell from purgatory to be frozen in the ice around Satan. Okay? And this is your River Lethe And it's basically yeah this this you'd cross this river and you you would undergo this uh memory wipe why to get you ready for the next incarnation now mind you all of this stuff is is constellational and i'm not going to go into that here but we have before that all of these ideas are actually things that are in our stars. Like I just said, when you have a radness in this river that goes and flows all the way down south to where the lake of fire is, to where they're saying purgatory is, to where they're saying Satan is. is. Why is it cold? Well, when you go further south away from the s- circle of the sun, what is it? It's cold, right? So all of these things map up and match directly with our experience. Okay, that's the point. This is the, once again, another, an angel or whatever, dipping a soul into the river Lethe. Pretty interesting, cool. Cool imagery. Very cool imagery. Though it is well acknowledged that we cannot truly know what happens when we cross the gateway of death, a rationally extracted supposition of our journey into the afterlife is that we experience some sort of memory wipe or a generalized erasing of many of our experiences in our last life. Um, and it's interesting that they have a lot of children that seem to be able to do these very particular past life recalls kind of thing. Cause it's like, they're still, you know what I mean? They're like, st- you know, they're just off that last life and they're still getting into this new one where they're still trying to figure it out and they still have, you know, these things and they don't know, how, they don't know how to understand that. Right. Good explanation. Anyway, if we do not earn entrance into our t- eternal home in the heavens, then before our next life, we have our previous experiences general, generally erased, um, from our memories so that in the next incarnation we would be allowed once again fresh eyes to look upon this world and seek out God Almighty the collected actions and decisions we have made in our former incarnations in this incarnation have determined the life that we would enter into in this one okay this once again gives us the whole notion of fairness and equitability when it comes to God and his treating of each individual soul no, God is not malicious and cruel because He took, you know, um, that 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 child from them. He gave them that child as well, but you know, he, He's not malicious and cruel. He's like, nope, that that child, it's on his next stage, on her next stage of her journey, which is a beautiful thing. And um, anyway, so when we're put into these different circumstances, this is not to say that we are specifically being punished or rewarded for our circumstances. For any truly astute theologian or philosopher knows that sometimes being born into material wealth or a life of comfort and ease can be a hindrance to the advancement of a spiritual life, as is highlighted by the story of Siddhartha Gautama, who became the Buddha. He was born into this wealth and everything like that, and that ended up cursing him. He was like, I got to leave this because I want to figure out what's going on in the world. I want to understand pain. I want to understand suffering. What is the purpose of it? Eventually our soul, after many incarnations, when our dedication is total and genuine, when our hearts become pure and light as a feather, and when we seek to truly know God with all of our being then and only then, in that life and in that life only, shall we be, shall we be granted the gift of eternal life. And so, and it's just like, it's, it's a great journey that we're on. and This is why they call it the Hero's Journey. This is an epic quest. Okay? And an epic quest needs a lot of pitfalls. And there's the high tides and low tides, you gotta climb a mountain, then you gotta go back down into the valley. And every single one of those climbs, every single one of those pitches and things like that, in this sense, metaphorically speaking, is a life. Okay? And eventually when you take that path and you get all the way to the end and you cross the gates of death, what you're gonna be you know, it's like you're gonna be joined with all of the other souls that got there as well. And what are they gonna be doing? you like, Yes, man, you freaking made it, man. It reminds me of We end up watching like a lot of these like hiking documentaries and things like that. And there was this one that's the Pacific Crest Trail, the PCT, it's on the West Coast. It goes all the way from Mexico to all the way to Canada, 2,000 some miles. And so, and not everybody gets there. There's a lot of people that start, and I think there's only like 40% or something like that, that actually make it to the end of the PCT. What, you know, in this sense, perfect metaphor for what? A soul's journey. Well, not all of them made it, you know. God's gonna put you back on the path though, and be like, "Well, eventually you're gonna to have to get to the end." So what happens when, you know, in in this sense, you know, when we we say like, "What happens when we get to heaven?" It's like, "Oh, there's heaven. Oh, there it is. Oh, I just got it's the last push. I just got it's the last summit push. Oh man, it's been 108 lives, and this is my last one, and finally I'm gonna to get to heaven after all of this stuff, all of the hardships, and my feet are sore." And Everything like that and guess who's there. Oh, it's just this triumphant thing. It's like all the all the people that had made it are there There's there's Albert Pike and there's Adolf. He's got the same mustache Right, and then you get there and it's like boom. Yes There's the soul's journey And of course Jesus is there. He's like get in here. Come on, man. Give me a big hug so, Jesus hugs, right? Look at that. Isn't that, isn't that a great picture? Uh, hilarious. Anyway, so, um, you know, th- this is... This is this is how I understand things. This is how we teach. And I'm saying that this this notion is unbelievably logical, unbelievably rational, is completely in alignment with the biblical stories once you extract the, what, what we consider the higher levels of wisdom or the actual mysticism from it. Now, what do the churches have done? We started this whole live stream with this. You can't go there. You can't go there. You're not going to march into the Catholic Church and be like, guys, I think John and Elias, there might be some reincarnation going on here. Guys... You know when it says in uh, that Paul and Saul and the Tarsus and the, all that whole thing I'm pretty sure that's the same soul you know when it says in, Ge- in uh, Genesis we've talked about this one before too it says oh go forth and replenish the earth replenish it's a creation story why are you replenishing something if it's the first time it's happened that doesn't make any sense there's all of these things in the Bible that actually help you understand that, look this is what you're this is what's going on um and what, is it, what does it tell us to do? You know, ultimately, you, you know, you, you want to you know, you give everything in this life. Uh, this comes from Irma Bombeck. When I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left, and I could say I used everything you gave me. This is, you know, in, in this sense, in order to get to the end of the PCT here, you're gonna ha- it's going to take everything in you that's why a lot of people don't get there he's like look at this guy i was 50 pounds heavier when i started this thing i didn't my feet were not calloused you know my body is sore etc etc it's going to take everything that you got in this life to to get there and that's the way it should be and that's the way it should be and so ultimately you know it's, it's it's this, it's live a life, you know, when you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live a life so that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. The world cries because it's like, God, freaking amazing. That dude, that chick, whatever, unbelievable. When he, she was here, I'm not sure what her pronouns are, but when he, she was here, just killed it. Did everything in their power, just like David the Good, just like David the Good. Did everything in his power to live a righteous life beautiful, hilarious life. I'm going to raise a great family. I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to do everything to be charitable to people. You know, I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to have a life that is completely dedicated to God. I'm going to have a sense of humor the entire freaking time. A great sense of humor. It's my opinion I've said this before, but it's in my opinion that if David the Good doesn't get into heaven, there's nobody that has a shot. Nobody on this earth that has a shot. If this guy doesn't get into heaven, we're all screwed. I'm just saying. We're going to be back. Okay. So so live your life like David the Good. Give it all. And even in uh, moments of tragedy, realize, just like he said, that there's something greater going on. You know? And that that child isn't gone forever. It's not. He, she, that soul there, that's not gone forever. That beautiful child, they're not going to see her now. And that's going to rip a hole in their heart. But, but, when uh, David the Good uh, gets up to heaven, and he sees it, and he's like, oh, jeez. Oh. She's down there. I... You know what? I'm pretty sure she's back down there. I'm going to get to see her again. Oh, my God. 108 lifetimes later, are you freaking kidding me? And I'm going to run down there, and she's going to be down there. All right. That's going to do it. Guys, you guys are good birds. I love you so much. Thank you for being here today. And uh, if you'd like to support the fine work we do, sorry this wasn't live uh you can become a goodbye goodbye over at subscribe star you can become a phoenix bird an akila bird cygnus a bird or you can become a time of the peat my bird now i do think animals actually go to heaven because there's no way that we got time of the peat that beautiful cock and then god just took him from us anyway (laughs) anyway so uh if you guys would like to send any donations we really appreciate it that's how we keep going otherwise this doesn't keep going and so we put this whole thing in the hands of this congregation, in the hands of the people. If you want to see more, then you can see more. If you don't want to see me anymore, just don't support. It's that simple. Snail mail, uh, any letters, anything like that? Uh, Kevin McNally, N2550, Southview Court, Monroe, Wisconsin, 53566. All right, guys, we're streaming to... No, we're not. This is all a lie. This is a pre-recorded thing, so forget about that. All right, that's going to do it for me. Let's, let's uh, end this thing. Um, we're going to listen to a song called... Um... I thought this was appropriate. Angels of the Silences. (laughs) That's by a a band called Counting Crows. And it's a fantastic song. Fantastic record. So check it out. All right, that's going to do it for me, guys. uh, May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. On to eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. All right, I'll see you on Tuesday. I think my mother and my wifey, we're going to actually hike up to a winery, maybe do like 10, 12 miles, something like that. And then we might do a live, we might do Tuesdays with Marty in the middle of a day at a winery just for shits and giggles. Maybe we'll try to have a talk with my mom, get her like two glasses in and then start asking her some questions. We'll see about that. But okay, that's going to do it guys. Thank you so much for being here. Um So once again, so sorry that we didn't have a live stream and thank you for your time and your patience and uh, paying attention. Okay. All right, that's going to do it. Guys, let's rock out. I will see you Tuesday or Sunday. God bless every single one of you. As always, many blessings and much love to all.